Welcome to the B2B Content Show, a podcast about the how, what, and why of B2B content marketing. I'm Jeremy Shear, and my guest is Jazz Fulton, Global Director of Content and Demand Generation at Whisper. Jazz, it's great to have you on the show. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. And I asked you just before we recorded if if I needed to whisper the name of the company, Whisper. Whisper. It's now a requirement, but if you want to be cheeky, it's always enjoyable. It, it is a cool name, spelled W-I-S-P-I-R, by the way. So now before we dive right into our topic, let's learn a little bit about, a little bit about you. So tell us about you and your marketing career, and of course, a little bit about Whisper. Yes. So I have been in content my entire career. It is my bread and butter. I recently had DemandGen added to my title. I absorbed that team of wizards to my greater team of wizards. That's what we go by because they're all magical in their own ways, which we'll get into. But yeah, so I am over the content and demand function here at Whisper. Loving it. Love the people. Have gotten to build a really amazing team around the world. Whisper is headquartered in Australia, Melbourne. And I had a few teammates started out there. And then I also have a teammate, two teammates in Singapore. So it's really been an interesting ride getting to work around the hours, getting to know people, learning more about cultures as well. I think that when we have team bonding, you know, we've had a few, there was one team bonding that we did where we talked about where we're from, such as, you know, food, local hotspots that we like. So it's been pretty interesting to get to know more about, especially Singapore. I didn't know much about Singapore. Australia, I'm told I need to try the coffee as soon as I get there. So I'm looking forward to that. (laughs) Okay. And you were telling me just before that you've learned some fun Australian slang. For example, share this one with our listeners. It's a little naughty, but that's okay. This is not my work self. I'm taking off my work hat. In America, we say that's sticking out like a sore thumb. But I heard on a call once, that's sticking out like dog's balls. And I was like, that's got to be used. It's so good. It's great because we all know exactly what that means. And I'm sure you have a lot of other ones. I, I, we'll, we'll leave it at that example. I won't make you go even more risque than that. But thanks. That's a good one. So, all right. Now you mentioned that you have a team of marketing wizards, as you call them, and a team of demand gen wizards that have now been melded into one wizardly team. And so that's what we're talking about here, putting together a kick-ass demand gen and marketing team. Um, so tell us like when, when you put together the team, because you've, you've been in a situation where you've had the, uh, the opportunity to actually build a team, right? You didn't just come in and the team was already there, or at least not all there. So when you're looking for people, putting the pieces together, what are you looking for? What qualities are you looking for in potential team members? Yeah, so when I started, I started with one teammate in Australia who, she's amazing, very well-versed technical writer, really loves product and AI. That was an amazing foundational piece that to me is like, the writer that you've got to have in your pocket if you're a SaaS company. She'd also also been here for a little while, knew the product pretty well, helped me get on my feet, and she has helped all of the other writers that have joined since. I had that piece in Australia. You know, the company has expanded into Asia and into America. So the next hire was in the Americas. Um, We wanted somebody local here in Colorado. Our U.S. office is in Boulder. We wanted to have somebody in Colorado, and and we did luck out 
I wanted somebody with some really great SEO experience who had a good amount of left brain, right brain, if you will, which I think all of our writers have that being in software, but someone who could really pull together the SEO piece, someone who had done a lot of web content, not just blog, but, you know, creating new websites. I mean, there's a lot that goes into that, but also somebody who could really fill in some of the gaps in terms of production. You know, when it's just one writer, Mel gets a lot done. She's amazing. She's our Australian writer, but being able to, she was covering Australia, America, and Asia. And that's a heck of a job for one person, right? And she did a great job at it, but we got to pull in some muscle here in the U.S. and we got a really awesome guy named Todd. And then we started hiring in Asia. I had like a really great product person, product technical writer. I had a really great SEO guy who, you know, we actually redid our website. So that came in handy and we've gotten to really refine our SEO strategy and continually optimize it. So the last piece was really somebody who knew the Asia audience well. It's our most unique audience, I would say, in terms of what they are looking for, what grabs their attention, what their expectations are as readers, consumers, et cetera. Um, so we got this seasoned veteran who, his name's Danny. He worked at several agencies before this. He has over 15 years of experience. Probably one of the most precise and thoughtful writers I have ever had the joy of working with. Everything that I read that he puts out is just like, you can tell how deliberate each word is. And I think that that is a nod towards, he knows what his audience wants. He keeps it very concise, very visual. He gets straight to the point, which I would say all of my writers do, right? We are awesome writers. But Danny is just, he blows me away. He created this guide that's also an infographic, which is, you know, it's blending genres. It's so cutting edge. But it's, I mean, for his audience, it's just he's living up to expectations and he's to be blunt, kicking ass at it. So yeah, I'm very lucky to have amazing content writers. And I also have a customer marketing manager in Australia, boots on the ground. She's excellent at building relationships. She knows the product well. She was in PR comms. Her name's Shannon. She's awesome. And she fuels the fire with some really awesome user-generated content. So that can be used globally. She's not a content writer per se, but very much worth mentioning here. So you have a team of four essentially, and then plus you. So three writers, one customer marketing manager, and two paid ad slash campaign managers on the demand side. Let's go back to the writers for a second, because I was trained as a writer and I spent many years as a freelance writer. And then I've been in positions too, where I needed to hire writers for various projects. And boy, was it hard to find the right people, you know, because it feels like, at least in my experience, there were a lot of people out there who market themselves as writers. But then when I actually started to work with them or like looked at stuff they did, I was like, mm, no, no, this is not up to the standard that I'm looking for. And I found it was really hard to find people who really met the criteria. And, you know, famously these days there's a war for talent, you know, and it's just harder than ever to find the right people. So what was your experience like in finding these folks? Was it, 
were you lucky and, and you kind of found them without too much trouble or like, did it take a long time? Like, what was that like? I mean, there's definitely luck involved. I feel every day because they're all so amazing. Mel luckily was already here. Whoever found here did an amazing job. Such a strong writer, really, really smart, so technical. She actually wrote for an AI robot in Australia that dispenses ice cream, I believe, if I remember correctly. So she just, she, chameleon. When it came to wait, the US. Wait, 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 hold on. An AI <laughs> robot that dispenses ice cream? What is, you can't just, you can't just say that and move on. What does that even mean? I might be, I might be off here. I think it was ice cream. I don't know. But does it mean she wrote like the, like what the, what the robot would say? Yes. So like, if I understand correctly, it's like, I want mid chocolate chip and it would have a conversation with you. And she got to write like the, what the robot would say. Yeah. Wow. Like, okay, great choice. So that person was already on the team, which is okay. So that, that made your job a little easier. Did, how many of these folks did you actually have to go out and find? To the other two writers. Yeah. So there is a war for talent. And I made the difficult decision to not require any writing prompts because as a writer, if somebody is going to give me a prompt, I'm probably not going to do it, honestly, because I've done freelance. Whatever I write, I want to make money for, right? I've already written so much. Look at, you know, all these things. Are you looking for SaaS writing? Do you want cybersecurity content? Do you want e-commerce content? You name it, I got it, honey. So I feel like most writers who have been out in the world, especially those who are freelance, probably have something in their pocket, right? Email content, social content, it's there. Uh, you know, we required with submission three content examples or more. So I spent a lot of time poring over those. Luckily, my American writer, Todd, the second I looked at his package I knew. He's going to laugh at this, but he has this portfolio. I scroll down to the second page and it's him in a banana suit and it says, hi, I'm Todd. I write cool stuff. And it just like, it had so much personality that I instantly wanted to talk to him. And then when I got to the more technical side of things, you know, he had a page that just said like what his technical experience is other than obviously writing. SEO was one of the first things on there. He hadn't worked in software specifically. He had been working at an agency. Um, so I knew that there was at least some chameleon in him, right? A lot of like manufacturing, trucking, if I remember correctly, that kind of content. So when I read through it, you know, that's not easy stuff to write for. And it was pretty interesting. So I was like, this guy could be worth a shot. I had a conversation with him and it was kind of like, you know, when you go and you're like dress shopping, right? And you try on the first one and you're like, this is amazing. I love it. But I have to try on more just to make sure I do my DJ diligence. Oh my God, I, has, I had like three more interviews and I was just like the whole time I was like, this is a waste of time. Like I know what I want. He was perfect. He checked all the boxes. It was kismet. Okay, so a couple of things. So first of all, what I'm taking away is wear a banana suit or maybe a gorilla costume maybe depending on the job you're applying for so that's number one and now number two when you say you know you looked at his had his samples right you say he made you know stuff that could be that could be boring he made it interesting so you're like okay there's there's something going on here but say more about that like what exactly were you looking for in terms of the quality of the writing sentence structure the flow of the narrative what are you going to introduce me with and where are you 
you taking me in this, you know, content journey? How the hell do you make wood panels interesting? I remember he wrote about wood panels or something like that, you know, industrial fabrics or whatever, that I, things that I know nothing about. It was just very clear and concise content to the point, conversational, you know, this is something that I know nothing about and truly have no interest in. Um, but I read the whole thing. And, you know, if I'm not reading an entire portfolio, then it's boring me and it's probably boring a general audience. I'm a pretty tough critic, but I, you know, I was impressed. I think that the fact that he was tackling such dry subject matter while wearing a banana suit, he obviously, I mean, you can tell in his writing that there's a lot of personality there, which I really appreciate. And I think for SAS, you know, or really wherever you work, whatever the messaging guidelines are, you have to be able to fit into that. But him working at an agency and writing for so many different companies, to me, said that he was able to adapt and overcome. Okay, I hear you. He's versatile as a writer, right? You can, you can say you're writing for this audience on this topic, make it interesting for this particular audience. And he, and he can do that. He can pull that off. Yeah. So imagine you grabbed that person and said, you have one company to write for, a few different audiences, go to markets. Let's see what you can do. I felt like it was a very safe bet. And I can understand why. Because all those things you described, that ain't easy to do. And when you find someone and you can read their stuff and it's like fluid and interesting, and especially something that you have no knowledge of, number one, and would never have thought to want to read about this because you're like, well, why would I want to read about wood panels or whatever? It's boring. It keeps you reading. It's fluid. It's concise. All those things. Yeah, to me, that's like, well, that's he can do that because he's a professional writer. That takes a professional level of skill to be able to pull that off consistently. And you said you interviewed three other people. And was it that, you know, he was first and he just made this impression and those other people were like pretty good too? Or, or, or was he considered like better? And you're just like, yeah, they're not of the same quality. I think there was one other writer whose quality was up to snuff that could have been a pretty good contender. But I think when it came down to it, it was very hard to find somebody with B2B SaaS experience, which in my career has been very helpful for me. I think it's one of the harder subjects in terms of content. I would say, you know, SaaS, biotech, cybersecurity, those are some pretty in-depth technical subjects that, in my opinion, you have to strike a balance between speaking to those that are like literally in IT and have all these certifications and the decision makers who are like, I don't care about these nitty gritty details, API connections, et cetera. I care about, you know, a quick implementation. What's the partnership you're going to give me? What am I going to get? Like what functionalities am I going to get? Is it going to be easy for my team to use, et cetera? So I would say specifically for these roles, finding somebody who could strike that balance, have the writing chops, have the experience or is as close to the experience as I could find. The Colorado market is, I don't want to say super unique. It's certainly not like a New York or Silicon Valley or, you know, there's not, there's a, there's a great amount of tech in Denver, but I feel like tech writing can be a bit of a niche out here. So 
I'm sure you got more than four submissions for this job, right? Yes. So as you were like wading through all the, you know, resumes and samples that you got, what was it that you saw in a lot of them that you could immediately be like, nah, move on, you know, in, in both. And and I, I guess I'm talking more about the actual writing samples than the resumes themselves. Although, although you tell me like, so what were some of the red flags where you were like, no, move on. You don't, I don't have to spend more time on this. It's hard because I don't like to be like a harsh critic. Right. But I think that some of the things that deterred me when I was looking, and I say this having had a portfolio website that's not live right now, I've seen a lot of portfolio sites with personal blogs. I read the personal blogs. And that's not like a bad thing, right? Like I have a friend who's putting together a really awesome website. She's a freelancer, really talented writer. She started a blog on her personal site and she has like coffee shop reviews, which I love. I think that that shows a lot of personality. Um, she has like ratings that are like, oh, this is a four out of five. I really like the neighborhood, you know, stuff like that, like consistent grading things, which I think is really thoughtful. And that shows me like they're thinking about a series, you know, like that's, that's, I see that. But there have been some, like, there was one that I saw for a writer that was like, I'm not even sure I want to be a writer and like all this stuff. And I was like, when it comes to hiring, retention, et cetera, probably not a safe vent. That's a very obvious one. But I think really more than anything, just seeing how somebody writes, if there's any grammatical errors, I will see it. And I make mistakes. I'm not going to say that I don't. And I can see how if you have a personal blog, you probably don't have an editor going through everything, right? Like we all know how it is to sit and stare at the same content. Like, it's great. It's fine. I'm going live with this. But it's great to get a second opinion. So I'll see some errors sometimes. And that's kind of like a red flag for me. If there's like multiple, that's when it's like, okay, egregious, can't hire. But those are the first things that come to mind. And then just some of them where it's, and I hate to say this, but just not a personality fit, right? Yeah. You know, there was um, a number of month or so ago, I came across a, a post on LinkedIn from a writer. And she was trying to make the case that typos, spelling mistakes, grammatical errors, those are fine because they show like personality and things don't have to be perfect. And she was saying like, and, and this is a freelance writer, someone who is, and, and her proof is like, Hey, I get a lot of clients, so it must be okay. Something like that. And I, I commented and I was like, no, <laughs> it's not okay for me. Like if I'm hiring someone and I expect them to write the, if I see typos, grammatical errors, all that shit, then no, that says to me, either you don't, no grammar well enough for punctuation or whatever, or you don't care enough to really proofread it. Like either way, that's not going to work. So I'm, 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 I'm with you there. No, that puts more work on you as the person who's paying for the job has to review it. Like if you're working with somebody that you know is going to have mistakes, which it happens, right? You're going to get in a position where, especially in marketing, everybody's wearing like 20 hats. So-and-so is writing this email copy. So we're going to have to review it. It is what it is. But especially if it's a freelancer, that just creates more work for you where you're already paying for it. And I would also say as a writer, you know, writing is a craft. If we could be writing novels and writing screenplays, we'd probably be doing that instead of doing marketing writing. I'm just being honest. If I could write the next great American novel, I would, but it is what it is. But it's still a craft. And it's like something that I very much respect. And I feel that most writers, it's like an unspoken thing. Like this is 
a hell of a lot more than just a day job. Like this is our heart and souls, even if it's about software or, you know, talent or e-commerce or even fulfillment, right? I I was in a job where I had to write about fulfillment and it can get really dry. And I think that that's what really stood out to me about Todd's portfolio was like, there's some heart and soul in this, you know, regardless of what parameters he had to work around. Just knowing that somebody is going to take the time and make it a craft. And, you know, each of my writers, I'm so lucky. They're all perfectionists. They will not stop until it's the perfect word. Or, you know, we've been in workshop meetings before where I'm just blown away by the thought, the creativity, you know, the care. It's awesome. That does indeed sound awesome. And I mean, and frankly, that's what you want in writers. They really, really care about each and every word because. That, those are your tools, language, right? Words are your tools and you want to use them as precisely and, and artfully as you can. And that's what elevates some writers above others in my experience. Yeah. And I think that that's, you know, part of what called out to me about Whisper specifically. So our platform is a communications platform. Um, you can communicate across any channel, whether that's SMS, email, voice, video, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And our manifesto really talks about how noisy the world is and how our goal is to ratchet down the noise and ramp up the nuance. And, you know, our tagline is a human to human future, right? We want to bring humanity back to software, to communications, to, you know, you get a text on your phone. How, how do you make it meaningful, right? One of our clients is Best Buddies International. I don't know if you've heard of them. Best Buddies is a nonprofit. They are focused on ending social, physical, and economic isolation of people with intellectual and developmental disabilities. They host a lot of friendship walks around America. They raise a lot of money for people who have disabilities and certain needs. And working with them, you know, they told us about a few of their really awesome campaigns, but one of them was, you know, a text message that they sent from their founder, like their founder and CEO signed it from him. And they were just telling us about the response rates that they got and how people were just like, so jazzed to get a text from the CEO and founder who's like a celebrity in their, you know, community. And that just really spoke to me, right? Because that's communications for the greater good, right? And we love to see that. And I think we actually have a whole page about whisper for impact and how we are making a difference all around the world in different capacities, right? If you think about communication, and it kind of goes back to like the pen is mightier than the sword, but there's so many ways in which you can save and change people's lives that I didn't even know about until I started at whisper. That is awesome. So, okay. So now you've been able to put together this team of like next level writers and people who, you know, really, really allow you to shine in your role and them to shine in their roles. Now, but your team is dispersed all over the place, right? Australia, I think you said Singapore, the Americas, all that. So how do you sort of create that, you know, like a sense of a cohesive team when people aren't hanging out with each other and given the time differences, maybe, you know, not even really talking even on Zoom with each other all that much? Like, I would think that's, that's pretty important, right? So how do you do that with everyone all over the world? Yeah, it's tough. And I have a few quote unquote tactics that I've used. I would say the hardest one is Danny, my awesome Singapore writer. His, I want to say 7 a.m. is my 5 p.m. <laughs> so 
So literally the opposite schedule, which I'm sure a lot of people encounter. He has been very flexible. We, what I try and do is front load the week. So my Monday, his Tuesday and Australia's Tuesday. Um, we have a team meeting at 5.15 our time, 7.15 his time. It's a little bit later in the day for Australia, so it's not as much of a stretch. But I stack our team meeting and our one-on-one -on, -one on one day. And then if we need to meet again throughout the week, we just have to really be vocal about it the day beforehand so that they can plan to get up early. And I, you know, cancel whatever evening plans that I definitely don't already have, to be honest. So it's been, in terms of timing and coordination, it's a little bit of a beast, but I think we have it down to a science now. Um, there are a few things that I do to make it feel like more of a team than a distributed workforce, if you will. Like I said, writing, it's a lot of heart. It's a lot of heart and soul. And you got to know the people that you're writing with, right? You're giving feedback, you're taking feedback. It can be pretty critical sometimes. I know it can be a little exhausting to be a writer in that capacity, but knowing the person and knowing their, you know, well intentions and their style and everything behind that, I think really helps. I try to have one meeting a month dedicated to team building. There are a lot of team building ideas online, a lot that are at cost and some that are free. Some that we have done recently that I really enjoyed. I asked everyone one-on-one -on -one for pictures of the inside of their fridge, um, what their favorite workday snack is, a really fun, interesting fact, like dig deep, guys. Tell me something really weird. Like give me the weird stuff. And then I made a presentation where we had to go through like pictures of the fridge or the fun fact and guess who it was. Okay. That, that all sounds like a lot of fun. Those are really good ideas. My team's all distributed too. All in the United States, but all over the place. So there, I'm, I'm taking notes here. This was super fun. And and it was super fun being a little bit silly and talking about writing and putting a team together. I think that was really great. Learned a lot. And I think our listeners will too. So uh, thank you. Thanks a ton. Thank you. Can I shout anyone out? Of course. All right. I have this amazing team. And we talked about the content people. You know, Mel, Todd, and Danny. I want to shout out Shannon in Australia. I know I talked about her for a little bit. Tambi, she is also in Singapore. She is our campaign and paid media person. Awesome. Megan, also a campaign and media person here in America. And Renee, she is our email and social person. And they are all extraordinary and all very well worth shouting out. So thank you guys. Great shout outs. And I'll give you a shout out right now. Thanks. <laughs> a shout out to Jazz Fulton. Great interview on the B2B show podcast. Thanks again. That's it for this episode of the B2B content show. You can subscribe anywhere you get podcasts on any podcast app. And while you're at it, you might as well give the show five stars and leave an over-the-top comment about how much you love the podcast. If you'd like to be a guest on the show or you know someone who you think would be a great guest, let us know. You can contact me at jeremy at conversa.com. That's C-O-N-N-Versa.com. The B2B Content Show is brought to you by Conversa Podcasting. Check us out at conversa.com to learn more about how we help B2B brands start podcasts to connect through conversation with the buyers and decision makers you need to get to know to grow your business. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.